series that we're kicking off today. It's a three-week series, and the title of the series is Spent, okay? Um, but before I jump into that word spent, I want to think about the word spend just for a second, because that's a much more fun word, isn't it? Spend. Uh, in fact, the reality is that we've just come off of a season that maybe many of you did some spending. It was Christmas, and maybe you were out buying some gifts, maybe you were out um, at some Christmas dinners, some functions, that kind of thing, and, and the reality is that um, spending is fun, isn't it? It is actually it is fun to get out of there and spend, but the problem is, uh, and this is a little play on words here, it can leave you feeling spent, can't it? Sometimes when you spend, it can leave you feeling spent. Maybe um, uh, this Christmas, you 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 you. you ate a lot, and now you find yourself physically just feeling spent. You're back in the gym. You've got some new plans here to lose a bit of weight. Maybe you visited a lot of family, and uh, it was just great to see them all, but the reality is that relationally, over this last month, you now just feel spent. You're like, let's just not go out for a few weeks. Let's just hang out as a family in our house and just have some time, just us, for a little bit. Maybe it's the literal idea of the, the money itself. You know that in the next few days, that credit card bill is going to arrive, and uh, it's going to be witness to how much you did spend over Christmas, and you're kind of nervous, because here it comes. You know, the reality is there's a, a pretty distinct difference, isn't there, between spending and being spent, you see, spending, it gives you the idea that we've got all sorts of resources, there's, there's plenty of margin there, this is, this is something that's fun to do, we're not worried, we're not anxious, but just by changing one letter in that word to the word spent, that has a very different feeling to it, doesn't it? That word carries with it exhaustion, being used up, pressure, feeling like you may not have enough. So in this series, over three weeks, we're going to spend uh -huh, three weeks, okay, looking at this whole idea of finances. Because you see, God loves you. I believe that God loves you. I believe he created you. And I believe he didn't intend for you to live a life feeling spent. And in actual fact, I actually think that there's a lot that you can discover as you read through the Bible that God has to say on the subject of money and finances that can help us from moving from feeling spent to a place of being able to spend. But just before I get started, because already just the subject matter, I'm sure, has put some of you on edge here this morning. You're like, okay, where are we going with this? What are you talking about? Um, I want to clarify just a couple of things. Make a couple of clarifications when it comes to the subject of money. Maybe clear some things up here. Because maybe the first thing I need to clarify here this morning is that you may be here and say, well, Dave, the reason I struggle financially, the reason we're struggling financially right now um, as a family, or the reason we're struggling is because uh, we just don't have enough. We don't have enough money. If we had more money, then we'd be fine. <laughs> That's the only problem. It's just the volume of money, okay? Nothing else is an issue. Now, for some, that may be a situation. There could be job situations going on right now, and, and maybe there is a struggle. But for some of us, we could be in a great place with our career and our finances and yet still feel like if we just had a little bit more. Well, I wonder if maybe the first thing we need to clear up this morning is that um, maybe it's not so much of a money problem as it is a, an us problem. Maybe it's not so much of a money problem as it is an us problem. Let me, let me explain it this way. 
Because I'll tell you one thing I've observed about myself over the years, and, and maybe you've seen it in yourself as well, and, and everyone else, and that's this. is I am satisfied with what I have until you have something that I don't have. And if you find that to be true, I'm satisfied with what I have until you have something that I don't have. And then it's like, well, I want one of those. I want that. And that can happen, can't it? It doesn't just happen with us. I think it just happens throughout the world. It happens in nature even. I found this TED talk um, a while back, and it was fascinating. It was this guy. His name was um, Franz de Waal, and uh, you'll love this. He spent his life studying monkeys and apes. 30 years the guy has spent just, just working alongside monkeys and apes. And he talks about this in this TED Talk, and, and at one point, he talks about, you know, some of the uh, attributes of, of monkeys and that kind of thing. He talks about capuchin monkeys. He said for a while, he studied this community of, of capuchin monkeys, and he decided to try this experiment. He took two of them out of the community, and he put them in cages next to each other. He thought, I'm going to try and train these monkeys. So he puts them in two cages, one next to the other, and uh, what he does is he, he develops this system where he gives them a rock, he puts a rock inside their cage, the monkey picks up the rock, gives it back to him, and then when the monkey gives the rock back to him, he gets a piece of cucumber. That was the reward. Now, I've got to be honest, I think that's a pretty lame reward. I'm not sure that I would do anything. For, I mean, cucumber is just basically a piece of green water. There's not really anything to it. But apparently, to capuchin monkeys, it's well worth learning the rock trick, okay? Because if there's cucumber in it for me, I want some of that. So he would do this, and, and it got to the point where he could give them um, 25 rocks in a row, and 25 times they would take it, pass it, give it back to him, 25 pieces of cucumber. These monkeys, they liked their cucumber, but then he thought he would try something interesting. He thought he would, he would change up the experiment just a little bit. So what he did was he kept giving these monkeys cucumber that satisfied their, their needs because they'd, they'd completed their challenge. But then one day what he did was he had a little pot of cucumbers and he, brought out, he introduced a little pot of grapes. And one of the monkeys, he, he took the rock and he gave it to the, uh, to the trainer and he got a grape. Now the first monkey, he completed the task and what did he get? A cucumber. And it's fascinating what happened. Just watch this. So they see the trainer, bit of cucumber. Monkey's like, yep, love this stuff, cucumber, awesome. Other monkey takes a rock, puts it down, picks up the rock, gives it back, gets a grape. Oh, hold on. What, what happened there? What? We get grapes now? Awesome. Here's the rock. Wait, I, I want a grape. He, he got a grape. <laughs> I don't want a cucumber. Give me a grape. Grape, 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 grape. I want a grape. <laughs> hey, maybe I misunderstood. Maybe I misunderstood. Let's watch this. Takes the rock, gives it back. Yeah, gets a grape. Okay. Takes the rock. Is it, is it a rock? Yeah, maybe it's not a rock. Yep, yep, yep. This is a rock. I'll bang it on the wall. Yep, definitely a rock. Cucumber. Come on. <laughs> he is not happy. <laughs> He was perfectly satisfied with cucumber, wasn't he? He loved cucumber until one day his buddy got a grape. And he's like, I want a grape. And isn't that how we are when it comes to the stuff in our lives? We could have some wonderful stuff in our lives until suddenly someone else gets a grape. 
Maybe your house looked like that over Christmas. Christmas Day, the kids were unwrapping the presents. This is wonderful. This is great. And then they saw what their brother got or they heard what their friend at school got. And now you've got a house full of cucumbers. Because all they wanted was what their friends have got. Now, fortunately, all the adults in the room here this morning, we're not kids. We're not monkeys. We've got this figured all out. We're perfectly satisfied with our stuff. Like, for example, I'm sure every one of you has got a phone in your pocket right now, and you're completely satisfied with that phone, right? I mean, you don't want to change it up. You'll keep that thing for years. So I am the biggest culprit of this, okay? Apple has completely got me hooked. Um, Every time they bring out a new phone, I'm like, wait, it does what? I need one of them. Now, my phone works fine, and I get it. If Apple introduced a phone that when you carry it in your pocket, if you have a heart attack, it performs CPR on you, okay, I'll upgrade to that phone. That's, That's a pretty good idea. But I'll hear about a phone where when you take the picture now, it kind of takes a little kind of mini video. The picture wobbles. Wow, my phone doesn't do that. I need that phone. And how often do we fall guilty to that? We're satisfied with what we have until we see something that someone else has, and then we want that. And financially, that can get us in trouble, can't it? Because if we're not careful, it may not be the finances in our life that's the problem. It's that desire, that that need to want to keep up with the Joneses, to have something that someone else has got. And it's discovering what that satisfaction is. That's one kind of misconception I want to really clear up at the beginning here is that maybe it's not a money issue. Maybe it's a me and you issue. The second misconception I want to clear up, because we're going to talk about this for three weeks, um, And I felt like I just had to address this very early on in the series, because I know some of you are sitting here right now, and you're like, "Ah, I know what you're up to. Your smooth British accent doesn't fool me. I know why you're talking about money, because you want more of mine. You churches, you're all the same. That's all you talk about is money, and we want more. So I, I get that. And I know that actually the truth is, sadly, there are some instances of that happening in the world. I bet I could go around this morning and we'll tell horrible stories of, of maybe churches or stuff you've seen on TV where, where followers of Jesus were almost guilt-tripped into giving their money or convinced of this kind of spiritual pyramid scheme. If you give this, you'll get this. And, and it's kind of tainted the name of Christianity. It's tainted the name of Jesus. So much so that for us as pastors, it's difficult to speak on this subject at times. But I feel I would be wrong not to speak on this subject. Because I love you guys. I care about you guys. And listen to these statistics that I came across just this week. I found that in a recent Gallup poll, 64% of couples report to fighting regularly about money. 64%. Now, I know what you're thinking. You're looking at that, and 100% of you are thinking, you know, 36% are lying. Because I think 100% of couples fight about money. It can be a difficult conversation, can't it, in a family? How about this? The leading cause of divorce in 2015 was some form of issue with money, possessions, and lifestyle. ABC News reported that more than a quarter of all baby boomers, that's people kind of heading into their retirement years, have $1,000 or less saved. Total bankruptcy filings for 2015 were 819,240 just in the United States of America. And when I came across that statistic, the article was celebrating that number because it was over 10% down on the year before. And I was thinking, that's a high number. The reality is that the world we live in, the culture we live in, finances are an issue. 
They cause problems in marriage. They cause problems in relationships. So for me not to talk about this, for me not to share what the Bible has to say about this, it would be setting you up for failure. So I do want to talk about this. And maybe it sparks some more generosity in your life. And maybe you, you do give to others or give to connect. And that would be wonderful. But the reality is that my motivation for talking about this this morning and over the next three weeks is I don't want this to be something that controls your life. I don't want this to be something that destroys your relationships, that damages your friendships and your marriages. I don't want this to be something that leaves you always feeling spent. So we're going to kick off this series this morning, and I'm going to kind of lay a foundation for what I want to talk about over the next couple of weeks. Next week and the week after, we're going to talk about a lot of practical things. And in fact, on the final week, we're actually going to introduce you to some of the financial story of Connect. We want to kind of share with you where we're at and some of our vision for the future so we can show you as a church what our policy is when it comes to finances. Many of you give on a regular basis, and we are so appreciative of that. And we want to be very transparent with what we do with the money that you give. So that's where we're headed over the next couple of weeks. But this morning, I want us to kind of lay this foundation. So if you're here this morning, maybe you're visiting, uh, maybe you've only been coming a while, and, and you would say, well, right now, I don't know if I could call myself a follower of Jesus. Uh, I'm kind of kicking the tires here. I'm checking it out, and I, I'm interested. But I wouldn't say, you know, if you were to ask me, I wouldn't say yet that I'm a follower of Jesus. So if that's you this morning, then what I'm going to say, you can choose to ignore completely. I think there are some good principles, and you might want to try them, but there is no burden upon you this morning to try anything that I'm speaking about. But if you're here this morning and you are a follower of Jesus, I'm going to share a story that Jesus spoke. It was a parable on this subject of, of belongings and finances, and you know he was, who he was talking to? He was talking to you and to me and to all of those who profess to be followers of Jesus. And he was talking about this whole subject. So this morning, it's going to be a bit of a challenge for us. So what I want to do as I look at this story with us this morning is I want to look at a couple of things, that, that, that maybe some lies that we buy into, and then some truths that Jesus unpacks in this story. You see, he tells this parable, and we'll get into it in a second, but the first lie that he kind of addresses in this parable is the, this idea, it's my money, and I can do whatever I want with it. It's my money, and I can do whatever I want with it. And that sounds like a truth. I mean, it sounds like a good statement, you know. But, but listen to how Jesus addresses this in this parable. He tells this story in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 15. He starts out by saying, Again, the kingdom of heaven can be illustrated by the story of a man going on a long trip. He called together his servants, and he entrusted his money to them while he was gone. He gave five bags of silver to one, two bags of silver to another, and a bag of silver to the last. He divided it proportionally to their abilities, and then he left on his trip. So this story that Jesus is telling, he starts out talking about this owner of this estate. He doesn't say where he's going. It could have been a vacation. could have been business. But for whatever reason, he's going to be gone, so he entrusts his wealth to them. It's important to understand this morning, this owner, he gives his wealth to them. Now, you may have read this story before. Sometimes they talk of it, uh, different translations talk of it as a bag of gold, bag of silver, sometimes even as talents, you may have heard it, which was the, the currency of its day. But all you need to know this morning is that um, this was the owner's money and that it was the, the, the duty of these other people to manage it. It was the owner's, not the manager's. Now, we don't know exactly how much it was, but um, biblical architect or archaeologists and people who study the Bible, they, they've kind of worked out that roughly, you know, financially, this was, this was a large sum of money. 
Like the guy with one bag, he probably had about a million dollars in today's worth to manage. So the other two had like two and five million dollars. So this is the first truth here that I want to introduce you this morning, that, that we are not the owners, we're the managers. Now, like I said, I know this is, maybe it sounds like a lie, but that is the truth of what Jesus is saying here. He's saying that um, the owner entrusted his wealth to the managers. And the managers, their response was, well, well thank you for allowing us to manage your resources. Now, what do you want me to do with, with what you've given me? And think about it this way, you know, to, to bring it to the context today. You imagine if maybe you decided, you know, I'm kind of, um, I want to get a little bit more control of my finances. I'm going to go see a financial planner. I'm going to meet with a financial planner. I've heard that these guys or these girls are really good at helping you manage your finances and figure out how to plan for retirement, investment, insurance, that kind of thing. So you sit down with that financial planner and you start to open up your bank statements and you start to show where you're at and, and uh, he's looking through and his, his eyes just light up. I'm like, oh, what's going on here? And he's like... This is awesome. I am so excited you're here today. My wife and I, we were hoping to put a pool in this year. We didn't think we could afford it, but look at these numbers. We can do a lot with all of this. You're like, whoa, what do you mean a lot with this? He goes, well, I'm going to spend this on a pool. I'm going to... I mean, you would leave the office right there, wouldn't you? You're not looking for somebody to spend your money. You're looking for somebody to manage your money. That's what a financial planner is. And that's the context of what Jesus is talking about in this story, that the owner left, and he left his resources with the managers to manage. Now, here's the thing. Whenever Jesus tells a story, God always features somewhere in these parables and these stories. Sometimes he's a farmer. Sometimes he's a father. Um, sometimes he's a judge. And in this particular story, he was the landowner. So God represents the landowner. And he's given these resources to, to his people, to us. Now, you may start to get a little bit nervous when you think about this. There's actually a passage in, in Acts. It was the very first church in Acts chapter 4, verses 32 verse, through 35. Talking about these, these brand new followers of Jesus. It says they felt that what they owned was not their own. You see, they got it. They understood what Jesus had taught. But it says, so they shared everything they had. There were no needy people amongst them because those who owned land or houses would sell them and bring money to the apostles to give to those in need. So this is fear that if we follow this truth that we're not owners but managers, then does that mean we have to use all of our money just for God? We have to sell everything? That's almost what this verse makes it sound like, that you're expecting us to just give it all away. Well, I don't believe that's what this verse is saying. You see, if you read the New Testament, you'll find they still went to people's homes and they still gathered together and had meals and, and studied the Bible and worshiped together. So not everyone just sold everything. I think what this verse is saying is there were some who maybe out of their relationship with Jesus, they realized just how blessed they were. Maybe they owned several homes. Maybe they owned a lot of land. They realized that they had more than they needed and that there were people in their community who were in need. And they felt compelled because of their relationship with Jesus to be able to give and help others. And the key to this, this particular verse is, is that phrase at the very beginning there. It says, what they owned was not their own. You see, that's all God is asking us to do. He's not saying, I want you to spend 100% of your money on me. I want you to give it all to the church, give it all to the poor. Give it. He just wants us to change the way we look at what we've got. To look at our finances and say, what if we were to look at what we've got and say, this is God. He's entrusted this to me. How can I use this? Is this a way that brings glory to him in what I'm doing with this? 
Because you may think it's yours, but the reality is I've done some funerals over the years. And every time we leave the church and the the hearse, the car is sitting there, there's no U-Haul trailer attached to that car. All your belongings, they stay behind. Everything you have, all your stuff, it all stays behind. So that's truth number one, that we are owners. Sorry, we are not owners, we are managers. Here's truth number two, I think, that Jesus is trying to illustrate in this story, that we are responsible to advance the owner's goals, not our own. So if it's not ours, how can we use it to advance his goals? And again, let me kind of explain this a little bit more. Because Jesus talks about the fact that there was a time where the owner returned. There was an account that had to be given. It's in 25 verses 16 through 18. The man who had received five bags of gold, he went at once and put his money to work and gained five bags more. So also the one with two bags of gold. But the man who had received one bag, he went off and he dug a hole in the ground and he hid his master's money. You see, the first two workers, they accepted his challenge. They put the owner's resources to work to accommodate his goals. But we learn here that the third worker, he was tight-fisted. He was fearful. He, He didn't do anything to accomplish the owner's goals. And I think we have to ask ourselves this morning, if Jesus is telling this story and this applies to us this morning, then which of the workers do I resemble the most? Which of the workers do I resemble the worst? Am I the one who's, who's looking to advance my owner's resources? Or am I holding on to mine, burying it, or, or even worse? And again, I don't think this means that God's saying we have to give away everything that he's given to us. But I think he's challenging us to look at the, the priorities we place on the resources and the finances in our lives. Let me illustrate it this way. Hopefully this is a practical way that you can understand what, the, what Jesus is trying to teach this morning. So I think there's like five things you can do with money. Okay, when it comes to money, resources, I think there are like five things you can do. Number one, you can spend it. Okay, we don't need any teaching on that. That's pretty straightforward, pretty easy to do, okay? We can spend it. Second thing is you can pay off debt with it. We don't enjoy doing that, but some of us, it's the only way we're going to get to a house or get through college. So uh, you can pay off debt with it. The third thing is you can pay taxes with it. None of us are too thrilled about that one either, but it does go towards helping uh, the country and helping us and that kind of thing, so, so we pay taxes with it. There's a fourth thing we can do, and that's to save it. Some of us do that. We put a little bit away. We save it. Okay, that's the fourth thing. The fifth thing you can do with money, I think, is you can give it. You can donate it. You can, you can find a place to be generous in your life and say, I want to give money in this area. So those are the five things. I think you'd agree that those are kind of five things you could do with money. Well, let's look at these five things just real quick. Number one, spend it. That's kind of about me, isn't it? That benefits me. When you spend money, it's to get stuff for me, okay? Pay off taxes. Sorry, pay off debt with it. That's, that's kind of for me, okay? I, I got into this debt, you know, so now this is benefiting me. Pay taxes with it. Um, I'm going to venture to say that's kind of me as well because really your taxes are helping we. It's helping all of us. Um, save it. That's for me as well, okay? And then give it. Give it. That's, that's I put we in the slide there, but it's wrong. I meant <laughs> others, <laughs> That helps others. So we can be generous here in different ways, but it's, it's kind of the order in which we do it. I wonder if, if this morning the challenge isn't, as we set off this series, God, I want to I flip that upside down. If I'm going to pray to you and say, God, would you help me with my resources? Would you help me with my finances? 
I want to be able to pray that prayer knowing that I've put you first, not last. That when it comes to giving, that's, that's, that's not the last thing to do. That's the first thing I do. I want to look for ways that I can, can give, meet the needs of others. And then over the next couple of weeks, we're going to talk about when it comes to spending and saving, how we can look after that and how we can be wise with what we do have. You see, in Proverbs 3, 9, Solomon says, he says this about our finances. He says, honor the Lord with your wealth, with the first fruits of all of your crops. We're going to talk about that more in the next couple of weeks, but I want to just kind of wrap up this morning's idea of what Jesus is talking about by looking at what happened when that landowner came back. It says in Matthew chapter 25, 19, that after a long time, their master returned from his trip and he called them to give an account of how they'd used their money. So the first servant, he was able to explain that he doubled the money. The second servant said the same. And in verse 21, it says that the master was full of praise. Well done, my good and faithful servant. You've been faithful in handling this small amount, so now I will give you many more responsibilities. Let's celebrate together. But then he comes back to the last servant. He says, what do you do with yours? And the servant kind of explains that, well, I buried it and I didn't really do anything with it. And it says here, and this is, I, it's, it's hard to read these stories sometimes, but this is how Jesus told this story. This is the story Jesus told. In verse 26, he says, but the master replied, you wicked and lazy servant. Then he ordered, take the money from this servant and give it to the one with the 10 bags of silver. Now throw this useless servant into outer darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In this story, Jesus is saying there is going to come a time of accountability. If you are followers of Jesus this morning, we're going to give an account. The master will return and say, now how did you use the resources I entrusted you with? And we have to think about the, the me, me, me. You know, how much of it was, was, was for us and how much of it was God? Well, how would you have me use this? How would you have me use this? How would you have me not squander this? And as a foundation this morning to this series, I want us to go away today just thinking through this. By, by putting to death this lie that we buy into sometimes, it's my money and I can do whatever I want with it. And instead, embrace these truths that Jesus taught, that we are not owners, but managers. That we are responsible to advance the owner's goals, not our own. It's really not that complicated. It's just a case of, of, of coming before God and saying, God, how would you want me to spend my money? And as you start to learn his heart, you'll see what brings him joy. And you'll see that you want to invest more in his purposes. You know, as we talk about this subject over the next couple of weeks, um, we're going to try and get really practical. And, and I want to help you in this. Maybe there are some of you sitting here this morning going, Dave, I, I understand what you're saying. I get the point of the passage, but I, I'm just, things are in a mess right now. I wish they weren't, but, but financially, everything's just kind of upside down. I just don't even know where to begin in principle, I understand what you're saying, but practically, we are just barely making ends meet. So I didn't want to just talk about this. We wanted to actually help you practically as well. So Chris, who was up here earlier um, in February, he's going to be starting a financial peace university class. If any of you have heard of this, uh, there's a guy by the name of Dave Ramsey. talks about the subject of finances a lot. And we want to offer this at the Connect Center on Monday nights in, from February onwards where you can come along and you can actually learn some practical things that may help you in your finances right now. 
But wherever you are this morning, I hope and pray that you'll hear my heart. And as followers of Jesus, you'll hear that challenge that he gave in that parable, that, that we are we're the managers, not the owners. And my favorite part about that parable is when he came back, the owner, and he saw that the first and the servant, the first servant and the second servant, they'd used those resources wisely. In fact, they'd grown the managers, the owners well. And in the story, Jesus said that the owner rewarded them. He says, well done. And he gave more to them. Now, I don't believe that's some kind of um, spiritual pyramid scheme where if we give, God will give us more. But I do think that if you want to experience God's blessing in your life, whether it be financially, in your career, in your marriage, in your family, then being able to say, God, I want to trust everything with you, my life, my resources, all that I have. I want to trust you with this. I want to acknowledge that, God, I wouldn't have this if it wasn't for you. You are the owner. I am the manager. As we just change our way of thinking just a little bit like that, I think we're going to experience his blessing that way in our lives. Let's pray together. Father, I just pray as we kick off 2017, maybe this was a, uh, a New Year's resolution for some here this morning to, to finally get out of debt or to get that bill paid off or to get that debt cleared and uh, maybe to get better control over our finances. And the truth is, it's a tricky subject to talk about in church because it can be something that it can seem self-serving. But the reality is, Lord, that those statistics show that, that our finances, they can be such a, um, a problem in our lives, such a problem in our marriages, such a problem in our relationships. That if we're all honest with ourselves, very often we are the root cause of the problem. We can get caught up in that, that satisfaction cycle, Lord, of we're satisfied until we see someone who has something we don't have, and then we want that. And before we know it, we're living beyond our means, and we're in trouble financially. God, I don't want anyone to be there this morning. I don't want anyone to be struggling like that this morning. But I especially don't want those here this morning who are followers of Jesus to fall into that trap of, of not realizing that all, you, all we have, Lord, is a wonderful gift from you. And we just want to be wise with how we use it, Lord. We want to be able to stand before you one day and say, God, we, we were able to use what you gave us to help advance your kingdom, to help the lives of others, and wisely in our lives. So help us in that through this series. We want to be uh, living a life where we don't feel spent. So help us in Jesus' name. Amen.